um, this morning I was like building uh, a bookshelf. So that's what was taking me so long. But Wait, yeah. Do you guys have Ikea down there? We do, but my mom actually sent me this bookshelf from like Canada. I don't know mm. why she didn't just like buy it from a store out here, but yeah, so I was building that. A special bookshelf? Or? No, it's just a normal bookshelf from Walmart. Wow. <laughs> yeah. I, I, actually I, want, I actually wanted to ask you that. It's funny, it's funny you bring up bookshelves because um, I want to ask you what you're, what, what you're reading these days. What's popping in the, in the, in the reading uh, area? Oh, I'm reading this book. You know what? I'm going to go grab it because I don't remember the title of it, but I've been reading it and it's so good. It's like an entrepreneurial book about this guy who went from being um, like in jail and like, you know, in trouble with the law. And now he's just like a millionaire, mm-hmm. but it's, it's called Nothing to Lose, Everything to Gain by Ryan Blair. Nothing to Lose, Everything to Gain. Got it. Oh. And, and so far you're liking it? Yeah, I love it. Um, I haven't been, I've been really bad with my reading game lately, so I'm pretty happy to be getting back into it. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's, it's really good so far. And when it comes to the reading, you say you've been bad at the reading because, because of just work and stuff, just caught up with life. Well, I think it was mostly just because of school, because I was just already loaded with so many things that I had to read for school that I didn't really have the time to, you know, read things that I wanted to read. So now that that's over, I'm just trying to take advantage of, I guess, the extra time that I have and just, you know, use it to my benefit and my personal growth. And when would you say you first started, like, kind of catching the, like, reading bug? I've always been a reader. I was that kid um, that would, you know, rather I'd sit in front of the TV, but I wouldn't even be watching the TV. I'd be reading a book. Mm. So I've, I've always been kind of into books. Um, yeah, it's just, it's just always been my thing since I was a kid. So now that you're older and you kind of look at things, why do you think that more people don't read? Um, I think people always have the excuse of, I don't have enough time. But then when you factor in, um, like, everything else you do throughout the day, you know, um, watching TV, playing video games, I don't know, going to the bar, things like that, that's, you know, that's time. So I feel like they just, you know, people rather use their time to do other things rather than read a book. And maybe it's just because they haven't find, found the right genre or the right book that, like, really interests them and motivates them to really sit down and, you know, read. But, um, yeah, I really think that's what it is. They just, they don't distribute their time effectively enough to kind of pour into themselves and invest in themselves through reading. Preach. <laughs> Preach. <laughs> I, this is something I've been getting frustrated about recently. Like I, I was talking with Hakeem Haynes about this and mm-hmm. a couple other friends, like just the fact that so many people, it's like a status symbol almost to say you're busy, you're busy, you're busy, you're busy, you're busy. But no, and not saying that no one is busy. Like I get it. It's like people are busy. They got stuff going on. But for me personally, like I refuse to tell anyone I'm busy. Because right. The day I make time for the things I want to make time for. Like if, if I want to, I'll just shift something and I'll do it. Like or you don't care about it and you're not going to make time for it. So I, I yeah, I, I 100% agree with what you just said there. Absolutely. I feel like um, I find my sometimes like I catch myself doing that a little bit. Like, oh, I'm too busy. But at the end of the day, if you're really motivated, you can cancel plans on somebody. I mean, that person's always, I want to say they're always going to be there, but I'm sure you can, you know, reschedule time with them and, you know, do whatever you were going to do with them, maybe the next weekend, the following weekend or whatever. So it's just about redistributing your time to make it work for you. Mm-hmm. All right. So we can hop into it. We got a good one. Gonna dive into a little bit of like mental health 
dive into this world. I don't, honestly, I don't even know where to start. Like, there's so many, I know. <laughs> so many things that, um, you know, what? I actually, I think I know, I think I know where I'll start. Actually, I got a good question for you. So, obviously, for you and I, we have kind of a special connection just because, you know, we lost someone who's really close to us to mental health. But I remember when I first had talked to you about it, as you know, I might've been not, not, not when you first, when I first talked to you, it might've been a little bit after it, but I remember you were kind of frustrated with people because people were putting that like mental health title on him and saying, you know, like, oh, you know, mental health is tough and blah, blah, blah. You got to speak about these things. And they're, but they're saying that word, that phrase, mental health. And I remember it was kind of frustrating for you to hear that at first. Um, can you talk a little bit about why that was frustrating for you and like what you've kind of learned about things since then? Yeah, it, it was very frustrating. And I think it was just because I was so close to him and he was someone that I literally talked to um, every day. Well, before I even say close to him, because people listening, I, I know not everybody knows like who it was. So um, I was dating someone um, who I had met when I was in high school, Ian's best friend. So yeah. Um, so the reason um, it frustrated me though, is just, like I said, I was so close to him. He was someone that I spoke to every day. Um, he was just, he was like my best friend. And I felt like I knew him so well that the fact that I, like, I just wouldn't classify him at the time. I wouldn't classify him as someone who was dealing with mental health issues just because of how well he covered it up, how well, um, well, now I know he was covering it up, but just, he just seemed like he was, had a lot going for himself. You know, he had just graduated from university. Um, he just had all these plans and was just super ambitious. And um, even things that could potentially have gotten him down. Uh, he was just always very positive and, you know, always had a positive outlook towards things like that. So when I heard people saying that he had mental health issues, it just really angered me. And I think it was more so just because of how close I was to him. And I didn't really want to believe that I, I was probably in denial. So, um, much, just as much as he probably was, he probably wouldn't have even, um, you know, believe that he had mental health issues, but mm -hmm. Yeah, I feel like I was just aligned with who he was as a person and a lot of the views that he had just because I was so close to him. Mm -hmm. A lot of them I agreed with because, you know, I'd known him for so long. We grew up together. We, we've just really shared a lot of experiences together. So naturally, um, we kind of aligned. So, yeah, I just, I just was in denial. I didn't believe it. And <laughs> that's pretty much all that was. But as time goes on and you kind of look back at things that happened and, you know, you connect the dots and make connections you realize that, wow, like this was happening and it was right in front of my face, but I just didn't know how to um, dissect it. I didn't know how to categorize certain behaviors. Um, but now, you know, looking back and doing my research and just even having similar experiences with other people in my lives, I'm now able to kind of look at the red flags and I guess identify them for what they are and do what I can to help that person. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I know that that's huge. Like, um, yeah, I, I remember specifically because I, I think you were upset, and I remember even like uh, your sister was upset of hearing that that title, you know, or that yeah. you know, I say title, this that that phrase and that that kind of being um, put in that that category or, or whatever the case is. And um, I think a, a lot of it. And, and I, don't, I guess I'll ask you this. Do you think that that feeling that you had kind of proves that there is a bit of a stigma to it? Absolutely. Um, there's a huge stigma. Like people are ashamed to admit that 
they're having feelings that, you know, make them want to take their lives or, you know, just in that, in that area, just being in that dark place. I think it's just, I don't know, they're ashamed because people look at it as something negative, especially when you look at um, athletes, like athletes are perceived by the general public in the world to be these strong people that are fearless and don't have any battles and, you know, they're just unstoppable. So when you consider that outlook, like nobody wants to, you know, disappoint their family members, disappoint their fans, disappoint everyone that believes in them. And as a result of that, um, they don't want to talk about it. So, I mean, from that standpoint, I can understand, but at the same time, like to, (laughs) to go through something like that by yourself, just because you're trying to uphold the views and the values of other people around you, like that's, I don't know, that's terrible to me. Yeah, and I, I think I want to talk a little bit too about just the idea of like toughness and uh, how a lot of may I think more so on the male end, and I think and I I could be wrong about this, but I think the reason that you're seeing more um, mental not necessarily more mental health issues, but I'd say more like suicides on the male side of things, right? Because it is seen as like such a a negative to have weakness or to not be able to tough things out or um and like i and i don't know it's 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 tough for me because i don't have a problem personally being very open about my weaknesses like i think i have very glaring strengths but when you have very glaring strengths i, I think that the opposite of that is you also have very like glaring weaknesses to people so right the mindset I've always kind of had in life is people are going to talk about you anyways. So I may as well be the one to talk about my weaknesses because then other people won't really be able to say anything. Like I, I kind of think of uh, um, eight mile, you know, the last battle, eight, eight mile and Eminem, you know, he talks about, you know, being from a trailer park and how the dude messed with his girl. And he says all those things that he knows those other rappers are, we're going to say about him anyway. And he's right. the forefront. But yeah. just from your experiences personally, whether it is, you know, just from dating and just from just living life and being around males and stuff like that. Is there truth to that? Or, and why is that? Why do you think there is such that we have to be strong and you can never have anything wrong with you? And then you feel like you can't come to people and say, hey, this is what's going on with me. This is what's wrong. Yeah, honestly, it's society. I think society just places this um, image of the male um, human being saying that you have to be strong. Like this is, this is what a man is. And really like, who can say what a man is? A man is whatever a man wants to be. And I don't know, I think through dating and specifically um, with Andre, I noticed that um, he, he would compare himself, um, not directly, it would be indirectly. Like I would just notice that he wouldn't necessarily um, verbally compare himself to other people, Mm -hmm. but I would see certain um, behaviors and certain actions where, um, he felt like he had to be this type of person. Um, I don't know if it was to impress other people, but in some cases I thought it was to impress me. Like he thought that's what I wanted. Like he felt because of this is how this guy was, or this is how this man is. And he's doing very well. That's, that's what I have to aspire to be. That's the standard. That's what I have to be. And I think that just, that just translates into a downhill battle of trying to, trying to beat something that, you know, it was just, it's just not you. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, oh my gosh, I don't know, man. It's it's crazy. Um, but ultimately, I, I do think it's society. I think um, society and just trying to, I think, impress and keep up with the Joneses, to be honest, and, you know, impress those people that are important to you in your life. So one of, one of the things that um, I started to notice with him was when it came to talking about uh, certain things that were bothering him or when I would notice that something was bothering him due to the fact that he felt that he had to uphold this certain um, image, um, he wouldn't want to talk to me about it. It would be like, oh, I don't want to be a burden to you. And I think that's something that's very um, common with people who are experiencing mental health issues or in that dark place. They don't want to talk about it because they feel as if their problems are a burden to you. And I've seen that consistently. So I think... um, for those people that are, you know, in the cir- in a circle of someone who's going through something like that, I think the key thing to kind of combat that is to kind of let your pride, take your pride, take your pride down and put your pride aside or whatever, whatever um, you want to go with. And, you know, just break through that, like say, you know, I know, <laughs> I know you don't, I, I know you don't want it to be a burden to me, but you know what? I don't care. Tell me anyway. Cause I feel like that's something that I did wrong initially. I felt like I had too much pride to kind of break past that. And because he said, I don't want to be a burden. I was like, all right, fine. You don't want to tell me, then don't tell me. Mm-hmm. No, you, you got to kind of break through that and still kind of push them to, you know, open up to you and talk to you. Cause that's kind of what they need, that consistency and that they have to see that interest that you have in what they're going through in their lives at that moment. Oh, yeah, oh man, I a hundred percent agree with that. You have to be uh, persistent and you have to really show that, even though you 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 feel like, you, and I think part of the pride of the ego comes from the fact that you feel like you've already proven that you care. It's right. like the fact that I've known you for how long I've been with you through this and through that, and we've done all this stuff together. I've never judged you for this or that or whatever the case is. Um, so you feel like you've proven yourself already. So you're like, I shouldn't have to pry this information, um, this information out of you. And I, and I, I, I that, that burden aspect that you talked about, I think is so important. Like there was one, there was one point I remember uh, when you were working downtown. Um, I think, I mean, I think you were working downtown. Were you working downtown at some point? Yeah, I was downtown. Yeah. Okay. So you were downtown. He used to go meet, meet up with you for lunch. And I remember yeah. one day he was mad because um, you, he didn't want you to like pay for lunch. And I remember thinking personally, like, I was like, it's really not that big of a deal. I'm like, she's working it's like, you know, you're talking like 10 bucks or, or, or whatever. Like, I, I really didn't think it was that big of a deal, but it really did like, like bother him. And, and it was, and it comes back to what you said. It's that feeling of being like, I'm a burden. So I think for anybody yeah. is, you are struggling with this. You have to understand that the people who are in your life who love you and, um, you know, deep down inside, they care about you. Uh, you're not a burden when you bring your problems to them. And at the same time, on the flip side, for the people who are trying to be there for other people, who might be struggling with issues, um, you have to understand that that's how they feel a lot of times. It's like, they can't tell you anything because they can't accept any help from you. They can't do anything because they're just this huge burden to everything that you're trying to do. Um, mm-hmm. And I think this is I think this is even more, especially on, on the male side, is that you just feel like, what's the point? Like, I'm, I'm just here dragging everybody else down. So. Um, Completely agree. Yeah, everyone else would be better off without me, you know? Yep. It's, it's so consistent. Um, I wanted to read this to you because I, this is, I, I've told a couple of my friends about this because when I read it, I was just like, wow, like I, I bought this book called The Hypomanic, The Link Between Craziness and a Lot of Success in America. And what, it, what the book is about basically is how a lot of entrepreneurs are actually hypomanic 
And so do you know what, do you know what, do you know what a manic is? Do you know what like manic is? Like maniac or manic? What's, is that different? No, yeah, maybe. Yeah. So it's kind of like that, like when you're manic, it's like bi, you have like bipolar. So when you're bipolar, oh, okay. you have like manic on one side and then like where you're like super hype and crazy and like all over the place. And then, um, then depression is like kind of the other side. It's like the opposites. Oh, okay. Okay. So hypomania is like one level below that. You're not like a true, like you're not manic, but like you're hypomanic. So it's like just a little bit less than that. So this is what it said. And I think this, when I read this to you, I think this will really hit. So he said, I asked them um, if they agree that these traits are typical of an entrepreneur. He is filled with energy. He is flooded with ideas. He is driven, restless, and unable to keep still. His ener- He channels his energy into a the achievement of wildly grand ambitions. He often works on little sleep. He feels brilliant, special, chosen, perhaps even destined to change the world. He can be euphoric. He becomes easily irritated by minor obstacles. He is aristocratic. Oh he overspends in both his business and personal life. He acts out sexually. He sometimes acts impulsively with poor judgment in ways that can have painful consequences. He is fast talking. He's witty and gregarious. His confidence can make him charismatic and persuasive. He is also prone to make enemies and feels he is persecuted by those who do not accept his vision and mission. That is spot on. Isn't that like I I read? So this is so I bought this book because I was listening to this video on YouTube and this entrepreneur read that exact part and I was like, holy crap. So I bought, I bought it like right away. And the thing about the book is the rest of the book is all right, but that one page is worth spending the, you know, 15 bucks or whatever I, I spent on it. Cause I read that and you know, how, like just in general, like you kind of attract to you kind of what you are, like right. all your friends have some type of similarities. You attract those people to you. So when I, when I, when I read that, I was like, that is like, I think like, I felt so many of those things like to the max and even like, from the like the actual sexually part like mm-hmm. it's like just i've always been like that i've always had just like crazy like impulses crazy sex drive <laughs> and, I, yeah. and i know andre was it was like that to the max as well and, and probably even more so than i was yeah and um yeah i i but I, I read that and i was just like and it just really made me stop and think um just in a lot of different ways and just how it, it sucks when a lot of times you go through life and you don't know yourself. Mm-hmm. So because you don't know yourself very well, it's very hard to navigate and kind of find, find your place. And um, that's one thing that reading has, has really helped me with. And, and what I think was even more devastating just with the whole mental health and all that stuff is um, the more you kind of learn and, discover and i know you've done a lot of reading on these type of things as well is the more you realize that you can help people but you almost wish that you would have read some of these things earlier you know yes oh my gosh absolutely agree yeah um okay so i i want to i want to touch on just like you know stepping back from you know the personal situation that we have that connection to and zoom out now to just tangible things going on in society that you think are leading and causing a lot of the issues that we're seeing today because you know suicide rates are definitely increasing um i think suicide is either the number one or two killer before uh, males between 20 and 30 
Um, there's just a lot of like alarming stats that just make you like scratch your head and wonder like what is going on. And um, I just want to know on your end, like what do you think is, is, is causing a lot of these issues? I think there's like a, a heightened expectation of chasing rep- chasing perfection. Like I feel like everyone is just trying to be perfect. We see these images like in media and things like that. And we just, we just want to be, we want to be what we see for, for women and girls. It's like, we see these, I don't know, um, YouTube, uh, influencers, these beauty influencers that, um, you know, just look perfect. They have a perfect skin, perfect hair, perfect body. We're just, you know, chasing that. And it's, it's unattainable. And then on the male side, it's, it's almost the same thing. I think, um, guys are looking at, um, you know, people that, drive the best cars, have the best job, has the best relationship, beautiful woman, um, great body. You know what I mean? And we're just trying to chase that. We're, and it's, again, on the male side, it's also unattainable. Like nobody can be perfect. That's impossible. And I don't think that's something that's necessarily new in society today. I think that's been going on for a long time. But um, I think the visuals that young guys and young girls are seeing, I think that's heightened just because of the availability of social media and Instagram and things like that. And then it's just so hard to, it's so hard to get away from it because, you know, that's just, that's kind of the standard now. And I think that's the problem. We're looking at these images and we're trying to reach what society has said is the standard, Mm -hmm. but who, who's to say that's the standard? Like who set that, who set that standard? You know what I mean? So I think I think that's really what it is. The the whole idea of trying to chase perfection. And once you can't chase that and you realize that, wow, like I'm never going to be um, this perfect person, then it's like, you know, it kind of downs your, your mental state or how you think about yourself, unfortunately. But I think just overcoming that, <clears throat> excuse me, just means that we got to understand that, you know, like what we see on social media, what we see on TV, what we see on these various um, sources of media, um, you know, in some cases it's, it's fake or it's doctored or, you know what I mean? It's altered in a way that makes it look perfect. But in reality, like those people aren't perfect either. They're just highlighting their, their highest points. Mm-hmm. Highlights, highlights. Uh, that's, uh, yeah. that's, I think a, a word that needs to be underlined three times. Like, uh, everybody is showing highlights, like, but no one's talking about what it takes to get those highlights it, it's no different than like so people will show the picture of them signing their letter of intent to go off to college right mm-hmm. and then other people will be like oh man that person they're getting to go to school they're getting to do this they're getting to travel and, and do all these cool things my life sucks but what they what that person wasn't showing or may not have shown was all of the grind and all the sacrifice and all the boring stuff they had to go through in order to get to that point where they could sign a letter of intent, that's showing up to practice every day, that's you know not going to the parties, that's not drinking, that's you know drinking water and eating lunch and eating breakfast and, <laughs> and all that stuff that no one gets any credit for, right? Yeah. And then you sign the letter of intent, and it's like, oh, like your life's perfect, your life's amazing. Uh, but little do they little do they know. Then when you get to the school, you're gonna get a beat down when you get there because now you have to adjust to being at the next level and so on and so forth and. Um, the the problems continue and i think what's sad is that we have to accept that life is really about challenge absolutely i I think what broke my heart the most about losing andre was the fact that 
there were challenges in his life, but they weren't challenges that he couldn't overcome. Right. Like anybody else looking at them, obviously for him, they were, they were greater than he could handle or than he thought he could handle. But I've seen him overcome. You've seen him overcome those things. And life, that is what life is. We, we go through these challenges and that's when we actually grow. We grow when the challenges uh, hit our doorstep. It forces us to change and find new ways and become something, something better. And that is what prepares us to be able to get to the thing we ultimately uh, want in the end. Completely agree. Um, it's, I don't know. It's, it's really unfortunate because it, it just, it was really hard to understand because I, you probably know this too. Like he was planning, he had all these huge plans and, you know, he would talk about, um, he would talk about the challenges that he had and he would always seem like he had a solution or that it didn't bother him. But when it all came down to it and this happened, um, I think that was most surprising. It was just like, wow, like where did that 360 happen? I think that goes back to your, your point when you talk about what you read in that book. Um, yeah, there were very much so highs and lows, sporadic, um, thoughts. And, you know, one day he would bring this idea to me and I'd be like, Hey, that's really awesome. And then the next day it would be like the complete opposite. Like, I don't want to do that. Or, you know what I mean? So it was, it was very, um, very true to your point and that passage you read. Um, well, it's, it's, it actually kind of makes sense because like nothing can go up without coming down. Right. Mm-hmm. And I realized, and, and now it's, it's very clear to me, but you can't be a hyped up person without experiencing the other side of hypeness, which is if you're hype about stuff, that means when something goes wrong, you, there's a crash that happens. And right. coming from such a higher place than most people, it, it hurts a lot more when you fall. Right. But like we're looking at that now and for anybody listening, like it's important to understand that because there's some people who are just very like emotionally, they're just very level. Like they don't get too excited. They don't get down very often. They're just kind of on the same place. But if you're the type of person that like you're excitable, like that's how I am. I get amped up and I'm high. You have to understand that at some point, if something bad happens after that, it's going to be a huge crash and then you have to kind of build yourself back up. And I think by knowing yourself and almost expecting that, it's a little bit easier to to deal with it. Yeah, completely agree. Completely agree. Um, so, okay, when, when we when we talk social media now, um, I want to I, I want to dig into this a little bit more with you because so one thing I've noticed for myself and like I I I, took, I came off everything I came off Twitter, Instagram, Facebook I'm not on on any of them right now. I did this last year. Um, you know, I all of 2016 I was posting. Um, and really, that's how I I kind of, I really use social media to kind of, um, help myself deal with that loss. And that was, that was the only thing I really knew how to do is like, just take it and try and take some positive away from it and, you know, hope that people, everyone learns from it. So nobody else does the same thing, you know, but then what happened was after a while, I was like, okay, um, I was, it just made me more aware to a lot of things going on in social media and just going on in the world. So then it, it just kind of wasn't fun anymore. And I, so I came off of there for a while and then I came back on like, probably like, you know, two months ago or so I came back on, it was great to be on. But then I, I quickly noticed like it did not take long for like my happiness to start decreasing again. Like wow. I could just feel like I just felt it. And then I told Emily, I'm like, you know what, I'm just coming off of it. And that's like, I, I believed everything. And next day I just felt great like no time on social media and I immediately felt my mood bounce back 
Now for you, I want to give your perspective on it. Like when you go through social media, you go through Instagram, Twitter, whatever, whichever one, do you think it plays a role in your own happiness, either in a good or bad way? Yeah. You know what? Um, It's hard to say. I wouldn't, it's hard for me to say just because I've never been off of it. Which is terrible. Um, <laughs> well, but, but but the reality is that's that's most people though. Most people haven't come off social media, so it's probably very relatable to for for everybody. Yeah, like I've never been off of it, so it's so um, I can't really say I can't really gauge like my happiness level because I have no comparison. Mm-hmm. But I will say that um, when I do go on social media, like I see you know beautiful women and you know things like that, and it makes me want to do something. And when I say do something, it means make a change. So for example, if I see this beautiful girl and she has like, I don't know, some hairstyle or some hair color that I like, I'm like, you know what? I like that. I'm going to do that. I want to change my hair color. Mm -hmm. So I feel like it really um, influences the way um, I want to improve myself physically. So because of that, I can say that maybe um, it does have kind of a negative impact um, on the way I view myself. Cause you know, if I didn't see that image, I would have been fine with the way I looked. I would have been fine with the way my hair is or the way my body is, or, you know what I mean? Maybe I wouldn't go to the gym so much and go so hard cause I'm fine the way I am, but mm-hmm. I definitely think it influences, um, my body image and, um, how I want myself to look, what I'm aspiring <laughs> to be, um, physically, if that makes any sense. Um, but then I do think that because I'm aware, I'm very aware of it. So um, I'll never go as far to as far as to like drastically alter myself um, to a point where like I'm not happy. I think a lot of the times um, when I do see something, it's very minor. Like I'll be like, oh, that's a cute hairstyle, or oh, I like her abs. Or let me go a little harder in the gym. Like those are um, like the gym and stuff like that. Those are healthy things that are gonna, you know, improve me personally. But the minute um, I feel like I I hate myself and I you know I'm trying to I guess, attain something that's crazy drastic or, you know, not realistic. Um, I definitely come off of it, but I can see how, um, how, how it can make somebody feel negative and feel bad about themselves because we're constantly looking at these quote unquote perfect people that are getting millions of likes, thousands of likes, and we're seeing how others, um, respond to that. And we want that love too. Like we want to, we want to be talked about. We want to, you know, have people supporting us and telling us how great we look and how great our body is. So, yeah, I can definitely see that. But you know what? Sometimes I don't even think it's like just the stars, though. Like, I think sometimes the people who you know are the ones that bug you the most. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Because I, I, I think when you scroll through social media and you and there's someone you know and you mm-hmm. feel like they're living in a way that's not authentic, Mm-hmm. And you know it's not authentic. Like you're like, like, yo, fam. Like I know you. Like we were just talking about <laughs> you the other day, and now you're posting this. Like I think it's though. Like at least for myself, I know. Like mm-hmm. I, I developed this system where if I am on social media, I'm on anything really, and I see someone do something that it makes me envious in any way, shape, or form. Because I think envy is a very ugly, it's a very ugly trait to have. Right. Absolutely. I agree. So when I feel any of it, I immediately comment and show show people love. Like, and this is more like a, of a male to male thing for sure. Like you see a male, like I, I think one recent example I can think of, there's a, a, a guy who ran or like runs track in Canada and he was doing like a lot of different speaking. 
and he's been promoting a lot of that. And, I, and at first I seen it and I was kind of like, oh, like, you know, this guy's doing bigger things than speaking than I'm doing. Like, I kind of felt a little, you know, I kind of felt some type of way about it. You know? <laughs> but immediately it's like, okay, wait a minute, chill out. There's nothing wrong with what he's doing. He's doing good things. He's helping people. Like in the grand scheme of stuff, nothing's wrong. And I show him love and say, hey, you know, I love what you're doing, big things, blah, 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 whatever, whatever. And show him love for what he's doing because I feel like it, it helps me to reset out of right. that that kind of negative place that, that doing really, that's doing nothing, you know. Um, but from a female perspective now, um, do you think most of it comes from, you think most of it, because it sounds like most of what you've talked about has been like looks and visual in terms of like body image and all that type of stuff. Do you think right. that's good? girls tend to get hit the hardest yeah i would definitely say that and it also just depends where you are in your life and what you're doing currently so like for me like you you gave like the example of um you know you saw your friend doing a lot of speaking things and you were kind of like damn like you know like that that's what's up i feel like because in to put it um from the female perspective depending on where you are in your life like Right now, you know, I'm starting to kind of develop my professional image and my professional career. So mm-hmm. if I was to see somebody who's kind of like, I spend a lot of time on LinkedIn, like that's my social media preference. So when I go on LinkedIn and I see um, people that I, I used to work with a long time ago and, you know, like they're doing really well, um, I don't know, they have their own business, they're doing a lot of speaking engagements. Um yeah, like, I feel like I kind of feel the same way you feel. Like, I'm kind of like, damn, like, what are, What am I, you know, I kind of think about what I'm doing. Um, mm-hmm. That's like my first thought, like, oh, wow, like, that's awesome. Like, we started here together. And now look what you're doing. But I'm also pretty, I'm really proud of them. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm always happy to see that growth. But um, again, like, there's other people that are maybe in a different place in their lives. Maybe they're still in school. And, you know, you're still kind of trying to find yourself. So I think, um a lot of the times when you look at social media, it, it is the whole body image and, you know, the whole beauty thing that um, I guess we get envious about with other people, with other women and make us want to, you know, kind of change who we are a little bit from a physical standpoint. So, okay. Um, do you think that sometimes that feeling of, okay, you look at someone else on LinkedIn or wherever it is, and do you think it helps to, remind yourself that, you know, there's a more, there's more than enough for everyone. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, it, it just makes me, it inspires me above anything, above anything. I get super inspired. I'm just like, I, it's kind of makes me start brainstorming what I can do to kind of, you know, expand my brand or be a better professional, um, overall. So I think, um, yeah, that's, that's like the top feeling that I get. But other than that, um, I can't really say, I mean, well, and I'm putting it from the perspective of like this, like I think sometimes it feels like you don't want someone else to succeed because you feel like they're taking the success that you want. And like if they keep getting successful, you're not going to be able to be successful. Oh, no, there's enough for all of us. There's, there's definitely enough for all of us. I feel like it's just a matter of keeping like we all we all can win. We just have a, we all can win at different levels as well. And we can have um we can all do the same thing, but have a different uh, strategy or have a different um, niche that makes us a little bit different from the other person. Like we don't all have to do the exact same thing. We can be in the same field and, you know, have different specialties and things like that. So even if we don't, I think there's enough for all of us to win and there's enough for all of us to kind of find something that makes us unique to kind of differentiate ourselves from other people that are maybe doing something similar to what we're doing or whatever the case may be. But 
I think it's just all about, all about branding yourself and finding your niche, like find your dif- your differentiating factor that makes you different from others that are in your field. And okay, so then when we come now to being an athlete specifically in, why is it do you, that you think that athletes are struggling with depression and, and suicide and, and a lot of these different things? I think it's the expectations that everybody puts on them. When I think of um, not even Andre, but someone else who's very close to me, who's um, running track and things like that, and they're they're battling. They're ba- I don't even think they know they're battling mental health, but um, they definitely are. And I think the reason it's happening is because of the expectations that a lot of her peers um, have placed on her um, indirectly, because I don't think they, they directly say, oh, you have to do this. Um, I want you to be this. It's just she sees what other people are doing, and then she kind of um, places those expectations on herself. Not only that, there's then there's family. Like family, you know, they want to support their um, family, other your family members that are, you know, doing great things. And they talk to their friends and place these expectations on the person that kind of also adds to that, um, I guess, the pressure of trying to be perfect. And then from an athlete standpoint, if you're at that level where, you know, you're trying to get a contract or... Um, you see everybody else getting a contract, you're trying to make that national team, you're trying to make the Olympics, whatever it is. Um, then there's also that expectation from your community. And then, you know, once you make it to that that point, whether it's the Olympics or a huge championship game or whatever it is, then you have the world looking at you. And then the world has those expectations that are placed on you. And you just feel like you have to be perfect. So I think it's just the pressure and those expectations that you feel like you have to rise to constantly, no matter what level you're at, is what kind of tends to break down an athlete and bring them to that dark point if they don't have the right support system around them. So if, if someone's feeling that way, what, what do you think that they should do in that, in that position? Reach out to your, your support system, your family, your friends, and understand that you are not a burden to them. Like you want, they want to help you. They're there for a reason. And I mean, I know sometimes it may feel like it's not a two-way street because the other person may not be bringing problems because maybe they're just not going through anything at that time, or maybe they just need you to open up first so that they feel like they can, you know, come back and reciprocate that energy. But just knowing that you're never a burden to somebody um, that loves you and that's been in your life for a very long time, like they're always there to they're always there to help, no matter what you may think. Yeah, and I, and I think another aspect too, just adding to that, um, is being able to, to face the truth. Mm-hmm. I think that's the, that's the tough thing about like knowing yourself and why people run from knowing themselves is because when you know yourself well, that means you got to face your insecurities. That means you got to expose your weaknesses. That means, you know, you got to take all the good and the bad. And a lot of times people are scared that people are only prepared to take the good side of them, but right. they don't really want to deal with the bad side. But I think everybody understands like, or people should understand, at least have a better understanding that we all have good and bad in us. Um, and that's what it is to kind of find someone who is like your soulmate or whatever the case is. It's like, you're, you're taking them for good and bad. And you realize that there are bad stuff about them, but you like them, love them for it anyways, or your family members, you like them, love them for it. Or I'll help you love them for it anyways. Um, exactly. Um, so going forward then. Okay when you look at everything that you've learned 
from all this stuff, the, 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 the big picture on it all, what would you say, um, you, what, what would you say the three biggest things that you've learned that other people would really um, impact, would, would impact other people to know? You mean like with, um, with mental health? Yeah, just with yeah, mental health overall. Let's see. I'm trying to think of like the earliest signs that I saw when I was younger. Um, I would say never, first of all, never second guess yourself. Um, I think when I was in my freshman year of college and I saw signs of it, mm -hmm. I kind of thought, you know what, that does, that's not, that's kind of weird. Like that's not right. Mm -hmm. But I kind of just brushed it under the rug when in reality it was probably something that I should have brought to the person's family, mm -hmm. um, which may have, may or may not have impacted the ultimate outcome that, you know, we, we know today, but. I think, yeah, number one is, is don't second guess, guess yourself. When you, if you think something if it seems like it's up, something's up or something seems kind of like a red flag, um, yeah, definitely, definitely take action on that. Secondly, hmm. Let's see. I would say be open and truthful with how you feel about a specific situation. So, for example, if you notice that um something's not right with the person like for i don't know maybe they're having crazy thoughts and they're voicing that to you and you think something is wrong tell them like tell them hey like i think this what you're thinking is kind of crazy or i don't i don't like the way you're thinking right now you know kind of voice that i think a lot of people are scared to kind of bring the idea of <laughs> no, you know I mental now, you know I know what you're saying. I know what you're saying. Because it's like, one thing I was actually reading was saying a lot of times, if you actually ask someone, like, are you thinking of, like, are you suicidal? Like, a lot of people will never ask someone that. They don't want to say it. Yeah, they don't want to say it. Because yeah. they feel as though, like, you're bringing that thought to, into the person's head. Yeah. Honestly, if they're already thinking that, it's already in their head. There's nothing that you can say that's going to make them, you know, develop a new thought if it's already there. So I feel like we just have to be able to kind of say, like, what, what are you thinking right now? Like, I don't, like, are you thinking about doing something to yourself? Are you thinking about hurting yourself? Like, we have to say it. And I think that that's also a mistake I've made um, in the two instances that I um, went through with the two people closest to me. Like, I didn't want to say it because I didn't want to bring that thought into their head, but it was already there. And I found that later on that it was already there. So I think just really being, being real and just being open with the person and, you know, there's... Just being transparent, ask ask them straight up. So that's number two. Um, number three. Last one. <laughs> I, know, I know it's tough. I know it's tough, but I, I think those, those those first two are really good. So. Mm -hmm. You know what? Um, I can't even think of a third one. I would honestly, I would say those are probably the two biggest biggest just, ones that I can think of. Just totally cool. Yeah, just being totally transparent and, you know, just listening to those red flags and really just speaking up because, I don't know, you don't want to ever look back and kind of kind of think that, hey, like if I would have said something, maybe um, the outcome would have been different. For sure. Yeah, and, and I think, you know, for everybody listening, I think another important thing is just remembering that everyone has a story, everyone has a battle, everyone has a struggle, and... Um, you know, you don't, you don't get diamonds if you're not, if you're not willing to dig into 
the, the, the tough rock and, and put some pressure on them. Right. Um, otherwise you just have, you just have some dirty rock, basically. Like, you don't have, <laughs> you don't have anything special. Like you have to do work in order to make a diamond, a diamond in order to get the diamonds, you have to do work to get it, you know? And so if you want your life to, uh, represent a diamond, you have to take some pressure. You have to go through a little bit of pain. You have to, um, go through some crap, but you ultimately, when you make, when you get through on the other side, uh, you know, you have something beautiful and it's worth, um, fighting for that. Cause you have family, you have people that, that love you, even when you're fighting with them or whatever the case is. Um, there's more people out there that think about you that, that have, uh, that you have impacted and you don't even realize you've impacted them. Yeah. So just keep that in the, the back of your mind, no matter what you're going through. And, um, you know, in this, I'm going to post in the show notes, I'm going to post, um, different, um, resources for just, um, mental health, suicide, um, lines that people can call that you can, if you're not going through it yourself, you can pass on to people that you love or know that are going through um, these things and just numbers people can call to get the support, get the help that they need. Um, if, even if, you know, worst case scenario, if you are, are using call and you, you, you have any issues you want to talk about, you know, make an account, just make up a fake name. If you want to be anonymous and put your issues out there, there's always people that want to help um, no matter what you're going through. Um, the people that want to see you uh, be healthy, see you live a long life and, and be successful. Cause at the end of the day, um, you know, taking your life is, is never worth it. Um, Tanel, do you have anything else you want to add into that? No, you, you hit the nail on the head. I I'm totally with you. Just understand that you're never a burden to those people that love you. Just, you know, keep pushing the, the lights always at the end of the tunnel. So there you go. Uh, until next time, you guys, we're going to have Tanel on for her third episode. And uh, we got lots more good stuff coming. So stay tuned. Keep listening to The Conscious Athlete. And if you guys could write us a review um, in the App Store or on uh, Podbean, that'd be wonderful. You guys have a great one. Bye now.